Hey everybody, come on in, come on in. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right, so let's uh let's get started here. Let me um get us ready so we can uh figure out what's going on with this stock market. Uh, we just finished uh our financial consciousness training. I don't know how many of you were there. Um, I think if you if you're not there, I think you might like it. You may want to um give it a try. Uh, DrBoyceElevate.com if you want to go through the uh the training that we've done. Um, all right. So what I'm going to talk about is, uh, well, first off, if you have a question, I'll put your question in the Q&A section, and that way I can make sure I see it. And also, I want to talk about some of the updates I've seen on the market in terms of things that are happening that you may want to know about and be aware of. Um, all right, so... First off, I'm going to say this as we get started and before I get a chance, and then I'm going to come in. I want to say hi to everybody. Um, there is uh, a belief that because the market has been so strong lately that you may have some time in the next month or two where there could be a dip. And uh, I would encourage you to consider just sort of getting ready for that possible dip. If you are trying to prevent it, oops and pre prevent uh, yourself from being affected by the dip in a negative way, uh, you may want to look into buying put options. Uh, put options, uh, if you don't understand how options work, uh, you can go to stockoptionsmasterclass.com, the stockoptionsmasterclass.com, uh, and, and it breaks down options and how they work. But basically, put options can allow you to protect your portfolio from the downside. It's like a type of insurance you could buy. You can also do what they call stop loss orders, where if you have a stock that's really run up a lot and made you a lot of money, you could just say, you know, let's say that if you bought it at 70, it goes up to 90 and you want to protect your gains. Well, what you could do is set a stop loss order that says, if the stock drops down to 85, I want to sell it. So that, that's an option as well. Uh, another thing, if you're able to, if you're in a position where you can do things that are more long-term, then um, honestly, I think that when the market dips, it's going to be another buying opportunity. Uh, there's a lot of indicator to say that we're in kind of the beginning of a long-term bull market. Uh, the market's had a lot of positive movement though lately. I mean, if you, if you're consistently invested, you've been making lots of money. And if you're not invested yet, I encourage you really to get started with that. Like, don't be afraid. Uh, you can, you know, if you text the word stock to 87948, uh, we can just get, at least get you started with the $5 a day plan. So text stock to 87948 if that's of interest to you. All right. So let me uh, let me see here who is here today. Uh, I see uh, AC Salam, Albert Robinson, Allison Burrell, Amani Walker uh, from our team. Good to see you. Good morning, Amani. Amani's in the chat. If you have any issues or any questions about anything in the Black Business School, uh, just send a note to Amani, put her name in your question, and she will answer your question and take care of you. Eileen, good morning. Uh, Angela McKinney, Anthony, uh, Beatty Souter, Calvin, good to see you. Albert Robinson III, Claudia, Clyde Martin, Comisha. Uh, let's see here. Deborah, Denise, Dorothea. Ed Bradley. Good morning, Lori Eubanks. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. All right. So um, I hope you're doing well. I hope your stocks are are performing the way that you want them to. And if they're not, uh, don't panic. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. And uh, in terms of things that have been on my mind, um, I'm looking here to just see. So one thing that's happening now is the Federal Reserve is going to speak and make an announcement. And whenever the Fed talks, the whole world pays attention because the Federal Reserve is the single greatest mover of stock markets in existence. The Federal Reserve 
pretty much for the most part, when they manipulate interest rates, that's what causes markets to go up and down. So you want to pay attention to what the Fed is doing. And they even have a saying that says, don't fight the Fed. And that kind of means that if the Fed decides the market's going to go down, it's usually going to go down. Uh, fortunately, their series of interest rate hikes are over, uh, which means that there are good opportunities coming forward. Uh, also here, I'm reading uh, stocks. So stocks went down as investors get ready for earnings from big tech companies this week. A lot of big tech companies are going to announce their earnings. Uh, that's going to not just be an indicator of how those companies are doing. It's going to be a great indicator of how the market as a whole is expected to do. If those earnings come in bad, then they could say, oh, okay, the economy is struggling a little bit more than we thought it was, which could cause some sort of prolonged decline or some sort of uh, relief from the rally. Uh, you know, the, but again, you know, when 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 there are these moments where things go down, those are typically buying opportunities. So I would not fret about that. And if you believe that the market's going to have that decline or you want to be ready for it, then maybe if you have some extra money to invest, you may want to wait a little bit. Uh, it, it, like I don't tend to buy a lot of stock when the market has um has been going up, up, up. When it's going up, 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 I tend to buy like my puts. Um, I tend to buy my insurance because no one's thinking about insurance when everything's good. People only think about insurance when it goes bad. So I buy all my puts and everything when the market's doing well. So um, in our Prime program, for example, some of you are in Prime, you'll know that generally speaking, a lot of these companies that we've been messing around with uh, to generate income from stock options, those stocks have been doing extremely well. So uh, when I'm seeing a lot of green, that's when I'm buying a lot of the puts and everything, right? I'm not really thinking about acquiring too many shares, but when things go red, okay, that's my opportunity. Right. All right. So let's see here. Alphabet and Microsoft are set to report this afternoon with Amazon and Meta and Apple following this week. So th this is just, this is all really big. Focus is also centered on the Fed's two day meeting that starts on Tuesday. So stocks dip slightly Tuesday morning as investors wait for some of the world's biggest companies to release fourth quarter earnings results. Microsoft and Alphabet are scheduled to report after the closing bell on Tuesday, offering traders a glimpse at how sustainable the market's recent rally is, and if the so-called Magnificent Seven stocks will continue their strong run of outperformance. Later this week, Amazon, Meta, and Apple will release their earnings results, among other firms' estimate-beating results from GM Boyd shares over 7%, while electronics maker Sanmina soared more than 15% on strong earnings. UPS, Whirlpool, and JetBlue are among companies that fell on missed projections. So what happened with those last three companies, UPS, Whirlpool, and JetBlue, is that they had uh, an expectation of what they were supposed to make. That when they don't meet the expectation, the stock price typically falls. So it doesn't mean the JetBlue is bad at making money, though. JetBlue, I think, is still a solid company, but maybe this is an opportunity to buy in if that's a company that you want to be invested with. Investors also focused on the Federal Reserve's two-day meeting, which starts on Tuesday. Though markets strongly expect interest rates to remain unchanged this month, traders look forward to Chairman Jerome Powell's press conference at 2.30 for more clues about the path of monetary policy. So what they're looking at with, uh, with Powell is not so much what he's going to do. They're looking at any signal he sends on what he's probably going to do. And so if they get an indication that he's probably going to lower interest rates sooner than expected – that's going to be a boost for stock prices. So they pay very close attention to what he says. They analyze his every word, and that plays out in how uh, stock prices move. Also, uh, some other news. Uh, let's see. Donald Trump is taking credit 
for the stock market hitting record highs this month. Of course, he's taking credit. He takes credit for everything. Uh, J.P. Morgan's uh, Jamie Dimon warns that the U.S.'s rampant debt levels will spark a market rebellion in about 10 years. Okay, well, nobody's really thinking about 10 years from now, but Jamie Morgan, uh, Jamie, sorry, Jamie Dimon uh, is 100% correct. The U.S. Uh, as a government, the debt levels are insane. If you look at the, um, there's a, um, there's a website, I think it's called worlddebtclock.org or debtclock.org that shows you how big the debt is and how big it is as a percentage of GDP. And the numbers are just almost comically bad. Let me see here. Let me see if I can find it real quick and I can show you guys. This is it's it's usdebtclock.org. That's what it is, usdebtclock.org. Let, let me show you all this. This is just, it's really disgraceful if you ask me. I mean, that's just my biased opinion, but I think it's an embarrassment uh, that our politicians are this stupid or they somehow think this is going to end well. But uh, here is the U.S. debt, right? So, you, so uh, what you see right here, this is national debt, and this is $34 trillion, and you see how fast that number is growing. Uh, literally, by the time I end the sentence, we will be another quarter million dollars in debt, um, and uh, and this is debt per citizen. So this is how much debt every one of us owes, $101,000. Uh, each taxpayer owes a little more than a quarter million. The um, U.S. federal spending is $6 trillion. Uh, let's see. The but what's interesting is that the tax revenue is only four point six trillion. So uh, if you think of it like this, uh, in your household, you're supposed to spend less than you make. Well, our government does not spend less than it makes; it spends more than it makes. So we're bringing in four point six. We're spending uh, six point four, and uh, that leads to a deficit of about one point seven five. So we have a massive, massive deficit. And uh, and so the way to kind of look at these numbers is look at this like kind of on a per taxpayer sort of uh, perspective so that we can kind of understand it. So here is revenue per citizen in the U in the um, IRS. So uh, the in, you know with with the government their revenue per citizen is thirteen thousand eight hundred three dollars, but their debt per citizen is one hundred and one thousand dollars. So I want you to ma imagine this: imagine a person who may who is one hundred and one thousand dollars in debt but they make $13,000 a year. Is that person in a financially healthy situation? Yes or no? Would you consider that to be a picture of economic health? Absolutely not. Okay, now some other numbers that are very interesting that I want to point uh, you to. And I encourage you, there's uh, usdebtclock.org. You can go through and look at it. Also, you, there's an app. There's a whole app on this where they have all kinds of data. Here's another measure that just is very alarming to me. <laughs> U.S. federal debt to GDP. That is the total amount of debt divided by the gross domestic product of the country, which is the value of all the goods and services produced in that country. Uh, a high GDP country, it tends to be a wealthier country. Low GDP means less wealth. Uh, in 1960, the debt to GDP ratio was 53%. Uh, that means if you take the debt divided by the GDP, you got 0.5 approximately 1980 it was 34% so uh the reagan era i guess or this is the end of the jimmy carter era i guess they dropped this number quite a bit and then in 2000 it was 59% that was right before 911 911 really in my view was a massive catalyst in the economic calamity that has become the united states now look at this number how look at what how big the number is now it went from 59.3% 
to 122.57%. So this number, I mean, this number more than doubled, or this is insanity. This is absolute, complete chaos. Uh, from where I sit, it started with uh, with Bush tax cuts uh, in 2000. He cut taxes because Clinton had built up this massive surplus. And uh, when Clinton built the surplus, we thought everything was wonderful, everything was rosy, and there was nothing but green pastures down the line. But Clinton also uh, did some deregulation, so businesses were uh, taking a lot more chances than they were before because they didn't have the government kind of managing how they uh, manage their risk. So Bush comes along, and because Bush and the Republicans, they tend to favor wealthy people and business owners, they said, oh, well, we got this big surplus, we should cut taxes on wealthy people. So they did the Bush tax cuts. Right after the Bush tax cuts, there was this incident, y'all might remember it, called 9-11. And after 9-11, uh, suddenly we're trying to go to war with everybody, right? We're in uh, what they call the the coalition of the willing, right? Remember the co? Anybody remember that? How many of y'all remember the coalition of the willing, where they, where we were the only major country in the coalition of the willing? I think that there are like a couple countries that were like, ah, we'll send a couple of horses and you know whatever. Uh, but anyway, so so we we went we unilaterally went to war with the rest of the world in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. That cost several trillion dollars, and then also you had the financial crisis of of seven ish. And then uh, and then uh, 20 years after 9-11, you had the COVID incident, which drove the debt levels much, much higher. So in the last 20 years, 20, really 24 years, we've had just sort of this series of economic incidents, uh, 9-11, the Afghan war, uh, the crash of 07, and then COVID that have further sank our economy deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. There is no indicator to say that that's going to change. It's going to take some radical leadership for that to evolve. So that's where you are as a country, and, and it's not healthy, it's not a good place, and we're going to have some problems. So Jamie Dimon's 100% correct. And what I think he's really saying, and I'm going to read this article, actually, so we can see exactly what he's saying. Uh, he says that uh, he believes that mounting U.S. debt will spark a, he says, a rebellion. I wonder if he means like a meltdown or something like that. Uh, let me see if I can, if this, this, is, if this is an article, or let's see, let me, I'm, I'm clicking, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get the information for you. All right. So uh, let's see. He says that um, the $7.6 trillion of U.S. government debt. Oh, so he's talking about the debt that they've actually released. Okay. He says it's a cliff. We see a cliff. It's about 10 years out. We're going 60 miles an hour. And he says we're driving over a cliff. The U.S. U.S.'s mountain of debt hasn't gone anywhere. And that's a big problem for markets around the world. Jamie Dimon warned at a panel decision. Uh, in Washington with the Bipartisan Policy Center on Friday. The U.S. debt-to-GDP ratio looks like a hockey stick chart or one that starts relatively sideways and eventually uh, begins spiking. Okay, so I guess uh, he says debt-to-GDP starts off like that and then it starts to go up, just like I showed you all on that chart. That chart that I just showed you is the chart he's referring to in this article. That hockey stick doesn't start yet, he said. We kind of got time, but when it does start markets around the world, there will be a rebellion. Right now, U.S. Uh, debt to GDP 
is 120%. So I think that he's saying that even beyond that 122.7% or whatever it was we saw, that that's actually going to increase. Uh, U.S. national debt's over $34 trillion, and it doesn't just affect Americans. It's a problem for people around the world because foreigners invest $7.6 trillion of it. As of November, Japan was the top holder of U.S. debt of $1.1 trillion, followed by China, the U.K., Luxembourg, and Canada. So China holds a lot of the debt that our government sells. Uh, that's the worst possible way to do it, he said. It's a cliff. We see the cliff. It's 10 years out. We're going 60 miles an hour. For Jamie Dimon, the U.S. fiscal, fiscal situation is particularly soured since the time he graduated high school where the debt-to-GDP ratio was 35%. And the federal deficit, which is the amount the U.S. spends over its budget in a specific year, was much lower than it is today. Back then, the deficit during the recession – so. Uh, back then the deficit during the recession. So you do spend money in the recession was I'm going to say four or 5% today is 6.5% in boom time. So what basically happens with our government is there, there was a time where you took on additional debt to get through a crisis, right? Just like in the household, right? Like you, you have your credit card, uh, and it's there, it's not there for you to use all the time. It's just there in case of emergencies. Let me know if you know what I'm talking about, right? So you have this credit card that you typically want to use during emergencies, but imagine if you had a spouse who wanted to max out the credit card even when times were good, even when you got plenty of money coming from the job. Well, what happens if you have an emergency? Now you're screwed. You're absolutely screwed. So uh the United States is really one major economic calamity away from severe, severe, severe financial problems. Uh, so this might be an argument in uh, favor of things like buying gold or uh, or even Bitcoin, a little bit of Bitcoin, not, not overdoing it, but just enough to kind of give you a, a hedge so that you have some assets that go up in value in case the debt goes uh, goes bad or the dollar starts to sink or something like that. Also, things like real estate, like real assets are always valuable. Um, if you can get into real estate on some level, I encourage it. But just remember also that that does not mean I'm saying you should go buy multifamily property and become a landlord because that would make me a definite hypocrite because that's something I'm, get, I'm getting out of. I don't enjoy being a landlord. That is not fun for me. All right. So, uh, but, but, you know, the way we make money in prime, I think that's an easier way to make money and the returns are higher and it requires a lot less work and there's no expenses and you don't have to deal with evicting tenants and, and stuff like that and worrying about whether or not somebody's going to pay the rent on time. So if you want to um, take a look at what we do in prime, just go to drboyceprime.com uh, and also, or also you can text the word stock to 87948. Uh, that's 87948. If you haven't done that yet. All right. So a uh, REITs also Macaria, you're right. Uh, REITs real estate investment trusts are a great way to invest in real estate without actually owning it. Uh, and so if you go into your app and you look up the word REIT, R-E-I-T, you will find plenty of options as it pertains to real estate investment trust. Okay. Now, uh, if you have a question, uh, put your question in the chat and I will answer it. Uh, this is for those that are in the Zoom uh, if you're not in the Zoom, I can't see your question, but uh, those who are here in the Zoom, if you put your question in the Q&A section, I will answer it. Actually, don't put it in the chat. I said the chat. Don't put it in the chat. Put it in the Q&A section. That way I can make sure I see it. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, what do you expect from big tech earnings this week? Good question, Errol. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I was searching my brain to see if I've consumed any financial information that gives me into any indicator of what these numbers are going to look like. I just don't know at this point. I don't know. I know that um, 
I know that Google is laying people off. Um, I know that Microsoft is expected to do really well long term. I know that Apple is getting some pushback because they are, aren't selling as many iPhones as they have before. And um, and that big overpriced headset, that's not going to move the needle for them in terms of revenue. Um, I do think. I do think, though, Apple's got something up its sleeve. That's that's where that's I think Apple's like the ace in the hole. I feel like Apple is going to just. Drop something crazy on the world that's going to boost the stock price. Uh, because and the reason I feel that way is because I feel like Apple's kind of a pregnant stock. Like, you know, during the AI boom, all the companies were were really leaning into AI and mentioning AI in, in every earnings call to boost their stock price. Apple never did that. Apple never even said the words a word AI. They always said machine learning. Um, just like with their new um device, they don't call it a headset, they call it a wearable computer, which give me a break. It's a freaking headset. But it's better. It's better. You know, I have, um, did, has anybody tried these things? I have a, my wife got me a MetaQuest 3 for Christmas. And when I tell you that I have never loved that woman so much, that thing is so much fun. Um, It is so real. Y'all got to get one. I need y'all to get one so that we can become friends on Facebook and we can like meet him, meet in the kitchen and stuff because you can do the most amazing stuff on this thing. Uh, first off, I play golf every morning now. Like it, it's, it feels very real. And I watch the, I watch financial news while I play golf because golf is hard to do if you're very busy because you got to spend money and drive all the way out to the golf course and it takes half your day. But I put the headset on now and I just go in this big area, this little area in our house where I marked out the space. And it's like, uh, you know, anybody ever watch uh, Star Trek where they have the um, hollow deck? whatever that's what it feels like you feel like you're in a hollow deck and you hear the birds chirping and you can play music you can play you know, like i've been some golf tournament i'm a terrible golfer but i'm in a tournament or something competing with people and um it's fun it just feels so real but then the cool part that they added and this is something i'm mentioning because i'd actually like to do something maybe we can meet and meet there for class or something one day is um they have augmented reality Augmented reality is is as cool as virtual reality because augmented reality allows you to take they scan your whole room, your whole environment and kitchen table and all that stuff. And then if you're playing a game that has like alien invasions or something and you're shooting the aliens, the aliens will be like on your kitchen table. They'll be like right in your room and you'll feel like it's real. It feels 100 percent real or like with like with one of the games you shoot at the wall and it puts a hole in your wall and you can look through the hole and you see like a whole nother planet on the other side of your wall. And you're like, wait, this is my living room wall. How did this happen? So augmented reality is really cool. They even have stuff where you can, um, where you can like get together with your, your friends on the MetaQuest and your, their avatars will appear in the kitchen with you. Like you're in the kitchen, you can meet all your friends and everybody's standing in the kitchen and you can like play a board game together, just stuff like that. So, so it's a step away really from like holographic technology and all that. Um, I'm super excited about it, so I'm going to nerd out on it, and uh, I'll come back and suggest stuff, and maybe if you guys want to hang out with me on that, you can. Um, all right, so let's see here. Uh, okay, let's see. Calvin says, regarding being a landlord, have you located any property management companies with good reputations? Uh, you know what? In Atlanta, I, I there's a company um, that we hired, but I can't I can't recommend them yet just because I don't know enough about how good they are and what they do. 
uh, I'm sure somebody in the chat may know a property management company. So if you do uh, mention the company in the chat, and then we work with a company in Chicago called 1111. I believe that's 1111 Properties. Uh, but uh, but I can't I can't recommend uh, a good property manager because I don't know. I, I don't have that kind of knowledge right now. Um, but I just know the ones that we're working with. Let's see, Dwayne, have you made any progress on ODTE exploration? ODTE, I'm sorry. Explain that, um, Dwayne. I don't I don't know what you mean by ODTE. Are you talking about a certain is that a stock? Or let me let me know. Just elaborate and I'll I'll answer that for you. Uh what are your thoughts on this new IPO, Fractal Health Inc.? Um, I'm not a big fan of IPOs in general. I don't really think that you uh, oh, zero days to expiration options. Okay, thank you, Errol. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, no, but you know what? Um, I mean, I, I know what they are, but but why that market is so special, I still don't, that part I got to research. So let me, um, let me look it up. Let me look it up. Um, the best I can see at this point is, it would be very speculative, like almost like a type of gambling in a way. I mean, I only deal with options like that when it comes to like rolling up or rolling down the positions that I already have. Um, I think that when you're talking about investing, I think day trading is is a different animal. And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying be careful with it because you're basically gambling when you're just trying to make these quick money moves. That's not real. That's not really in the realm of investing. That's That's just, you know, that's like me getting on, the sports book app or, you know, on DraftKings or whatever and, and betting and betting on the lions. Like I did like a big dummy. Um, let's see, Rick Thompson, what are the risks of getting into REITs? Well, the, I mean, the general risk, obviously every REIT is different, right? So you, so I would, I would pick REITs. I would look at REITs that are connected to established companies. You know, Vanguard has some REITs and stuff like that. Uh, try to read up on what you're invested in. And, uh, you know, so if it's commercial real estate, then obviously your risk is that the commercial real estate market could have some problems and that could affect the value of your of your real estate investment trust. But uh, I think long term, I think that a diversified portfolio of REITs can go a long way. Uh, let's see. Do you like Fundrise to invest in REITs? You know, what, Carol, I don't dislike Fundrise. I like the company. I've been to the website. They look fine. But I don't understand why you'd have to go to Fundrise to invest in real estate investment trusts. I don't see anything special about it, um, but I don't have any problem with it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the on the uranium ETF? Yeah, I think uranium is a great place to invest. Uh, in fact, let me see if we can find something because um, I, I I did did just do some research and uh, maybe there's something we can do like right now while we're just kind of talking. Um, let me look and see. Uh, I don't remember the uranium ETF that I was exploring. Global X, that's it. Global X uranium ETF. The ticker symbol is URA. URA. Um, the top 10 holdings are companies like Cameco Corporation, Sprott uh, Physical Uranium, Next Gen Energy. I, don't, I have no idea what these companies are. Um, this is one that I, I do believe in. And uh, I forgot what the whole argument was with uranium, but basically that is a place uh, a decent place to put money not not investing advice but i just bought some shares so there we go um and and by the way if you want me to send you like profit alerts and stuff like that just make sure you text the word stock to 87948 you can text stock to 87948 and i'll send you some stuff also if you guys want to join us for our financial consciousness training uh starting february 1st we're going to do a deep dive on my book the 10 commandments of black economic power i have a whole study guide uh that is 110 slides uh, where we will break down all the theories and, and everything uh, from the book 
Uh, and uh, I guarantee you it's going to affect you. It's going to affect, I, I made this whole breakdown specifically to address black wealth challenges and black wealth opportunities that we have uh, in our community. So what I'm going to do is share the link in the chat if you guys want. So, so, so basically the deal we're making with you is that if you buy the study guide, which is the required reading for the class, then you can join us for the whole 30 days or so. We may do more than 30 days, depending on how long it takes to get through 120 slides. But basically, that's the plan. And you can join live that way. And if you want to get all the recordings and stuff like that, then once we go live, I'll give you access to a link where you can pick up the recordings and all that stuff. And if you sign up for one person in the family, you can bring everybody. So uh, so buy one, get five free. So And, and we encourage family engagement. And, and part of that is because because I really want to keep emphasizing to you how the black family really is the multi-million dollar asset that we never really tap into. And, uh, and the thing about family is that family has to be uh, constructed properly. It also has to be protected properly, just like any other financial asset, any financial asset that you have, um, if it's not managed properly, then that financial asset will have no value. Right. So if I buy a business and, uh, and I don't, um, and I don't manage the business, then that's not going to be a very good business. Right. Uh, and so, so ultimately the same thing is true with your family when you don't have good family planning and all this other stuff. Like when I, when I say the term planned parenthood, my definition is completely different from everyone else. Uh, to me, planned parenthood means that uh, because I know my family is not just uh, important to me emotionally, it's also going to be important to me economically. I'm going to think very carefully about who I structure that, that entity with, right? Just like if I build, if I create a trust or an LLC, I'm not going to go into business in an LLC with just anybody. I'm not going to just say, oh yeah, let's start this company together and let's just, you know, let's just run it together. If I don't know you and I don't think you're a good, you're going to be a good business manager. So I think the same thing is true with family. I, I don't, I think that if you're economically disciplined and financially conscious, then you're going to think very carefully about who you build family with because if they don't do their job, then you end up doing all the work and uh, you become you, you you end up doing twice as much work to be half as successful. Uh, the, you know, the hardest thing in the world. I saw this thing today the other day, and this this does link back to economics. Um, there was a late. Did anybody see that story about the lady at Walmart who had her son? At, uh, it was 20 degrees outside and she brought her son to Walmart and he had a plastic bag. They, she, he didn't have clothes or a coat. He, they, she had him wrapped up in a plastic bag. So, so a lot of the people there um, saw this little boy. How many of y'all saw that? Give me a yes if you saw that. Uh, so there was like this little boy in the bass cart, maybe three years old, four years old, who's shivering because he's in this plastic bag and it's like 20 degrees outside. And so these black parents stepped up and like a man did and a woman did. One of the Walmart employees stepped up and said, what are you doing? Like this baby's freezing. Like you should be ashamed of yourself. This is not acceptable. And so uh, one of the Walmart employees got the boy some clothes and uh, they fired her for it. That's right. No good deed goes unpunished. But she did a GoFundMe or something and people supported her. They gave her like $30,000. So good for her. I, I If I could trade my Walmart job for a check for 30 grand, I'd do that any day of the week. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so the woman ends up getting arrested. She loses her kids. And uh, and they and everybody's saying, good, you know, this is what you deserve, whatever. Well, so the lady goes on Instagram and she starts talking about 
what happened and I, I found the video and in fact I'm gonna get my wife because my wife is a social worker and we're actually we have a podcast called Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia I actually want to do a pillow talk with my wife about this so we can hear you know a perspective that goes beyond me the my limited perspective as a man uh you know I'd, I'd like to hear what, what a social worker has to say what a mother has to say but anyway so the woman was talking and she was talking about like she was kind of defending herself and explaining, you know, like how, how hard it was that she couldn't see her kids and and that she's not a bad parent and everything else. And, and what I was listening for, which was really interesting, was I, I, I heard her making reference to uh, a lot of poverty uh, that they're dealing with, that they're struggling financially. Uh, I heard um, I heard a lot of references to Jesus, like God is going to get me through and and and. Uh, and, and I could hear her trauma and anxiety and stress, right? So there's a part of me that empathizes with this woman because I mentioned to you all that uh, unaddressed, untreated trauma is the number one barrier to building wealth in the Black community. And I saw mental health for sure, Taquana, absolutely. But then also what I did not hear was any reference to the boy's father, right? I heard no reference to the father. And uh, and I think that's the, you know, that's an interesting part of the conversation. I don't know if we have enough is you know we can we can beat up on this mother all day which I, I mean don't don't get me wrong she is no mother of the year as far as i'm concerned but what happened where's the father like what's going on here oh you know and, and maybe it's like because it's out of sight out of mind we don't think about the father when we see this child you know shivering in a plastic bag in 20 degree weather we're looking at the mother saying how dare you but nobody's saying where's the daddy or, or saying that to his father and uh, be, because one of the things that I think that we have to think about when you're talking about creating uh, a healthy economic and social environment for the child, it does require work from both parents. And uh, and it also requires training to even know how to pick a co-parent, right? Because this is intergenerational, right? I'm sure if you went back into this poor lady's past, you could probably find some horrible experiences she had where she was abused to the point where this is just being transferred on. Um, but I really think that dealing with these issues fixes a lot of our economic problems too. Um, if you imagine, like, so think about this. There's no kid that's going to be in a Walmart basket freezing to death in a in, wearing plastic if he's got two mentally healthy, um, financially capable parents that both love that child. Like nobody, no, none of y'all, not one of y'all in here is going to have your child in Walmart in a plastic bag in 20 degree weather. Like none of you would do that. Right. Uh, and so I, I would really say to you that when you're talking about um, wealth, you have to talk about family, the family, when it's structured properly and everyone's working on the same accord becomes a very powerful economic engine. But when the family is broken into pieces and shattered, Everyone scatters and everyone's in survival mode. The kids are, you know, remember that song? Remember your little, uh, what was that song? It, it, I, I didn't realize how disturbing the song was until I got older. But uh, what was it? Rockin' Robin? Remember they would be like, um, uh, um, what, what? Daddy's on the corner shooting at dice. Oh, wait, no, some, no, no, no. So, something on the corner shooting at dice. Brothers in jail, hanging on a nail. Sisters on the corner selling fruit cocktail. Remember that? Uh, mama's in the kitchen cooking that rice. Daddy's on the corner shooting that dice. Brother's in jail, hanging on a nail. Sister's on the corner selling fruit cocktail. I thought about that song. This is this is the stuff I think about. I think about everything, right? So I was thinking, like, that's a really disturbing song, right? So mama cooking the rice, that's normal. 
But daddy's shooting dice. So daddy, you know, daddy's got a gambling problem. Right? <laughs> he's not watching his kids. And then and why why do we know he's not watching his kids? Well, because because your brother's in jail hanging on a nail, right? And your sister's on the corner selling fruit cocktail. That is dysfunction, right? But we sang this song like it was something good. And 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 but here's the thing. I'm you know, I, I think a lot of you can agree with me. How many of you, give me a yes, how many of you? No families like that. No, no families where brothers in jail hanging on a nail, sisters on the corner selling fruit cocktail, and mamas, mamas cook in the kitchen cooking that rice, and daddy don't live with the, the the kids anymore. Daddy is on the corner shooting that dice. Like that's that song came from a real black experience, right? But 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 I really want you to meditate on the degree of dysfunction that's there, and how how that ties back into the family economic structure. There's no way a family like that is ever going to be able to build any significant amount of meaningful wealth unless the brother lucks out and gets a record deal when he gets out of jail or if the sister sells enough fruit cocktail that she becomes a high-paid hoe, right? That's it, right? Or daddy happens to roll the dice and gets lucky and, and hits the numbers, right? That, that none of these things are going to lead to productive outcomes. Right. And so so even when I think about that song, I was like, wow, that's so crazy because I know families like that. Right. Because that's what happens when the family breaks down. Everyone scatters. Everyone's trying to it's like like an army, you know, like if an army is is they, they, the, the, the soldiers in the army or the commanders in the military, they always remind the soldiers, you know, to stay on sequence. Right. To sit to, to hold the line. Right. Everybody's, you know, stay stay on code. Do what you're supposed to do. Because that's how you fight best as an army. Because they know that the minute the line breaks, I don't know the proper terminology. Some of y'all in the military, you can help me with this. Forgive me for my ignorance. But but they know that if somebody flinches and somebody doesn't do their job, the whole unit breaks down and everybody's scrambling for survival as individuals. That military is defeated. So when I see the Black family, that's what I see. I see a, a military or a group where if everybody's in sync, that group is unstoppable. When everybody's on the same page and everybody's doing what they do, doing their job and everything else, then the, the then a, a strong family is hard to penetrate. It's hard to you know. So so for example, predators can't get into a family like that. Like if R. Kelly identifies the daughter and says, "Oh, I want to get with that little thirteen year old girl," that's not going to occur because that child has protection. They have the father. They have the brothers. They have the sisters. They have the mama. That that's not going to happen. So the R. Kelly's tend to penetrate the families that have loopholes. You know, they have they penetrate the families that are broken, typically. Right. So you come in, you know, you sweet talk the mother, make her think that you're a great guy. Maybe you become the mother's boyfriend. Like, think about this process. Process how many black children get molested by their mother's boyfriends. Happens all the time. I know cops that work in the Crimes Against Children unit and they said, oh, this is a regular thing. This happens all the time. The mother has no idea. Cause she's just thinking, oh, this is a great guy. The sex is really nice, but you don't understand this guy's trying to have sex with everybody in the house. Right. And so, so ultimately the breakdown of the family, it doesn't just affect you economically it affects you in so many other ways. But if you talk specifically about the economics, a family that is um, that has proper planned parenthood, right. Where you're properly planning this out. You're saying, okay, I'm building this entity that can become an economic driver for, you know, for not just my life before many generations after I'm gone, uh, as I build this economic driver, I need to find the right teammate. No different from if I'm picking a basketball team or forming an LLC. I'm going to make sure that I pick a mother for my kids that's going to be a good mother or, or a good father or whatever. 
And then what happens is that at that point, I think you have to, as it's black people, in my opinion, you may want to push government and corporations kind of out of it, like get them out of your business to some extent, not to the point where you run away or, and this is nothing extreme. I'm not trying to be extreme on this, but I, I really think about this, right? In the sense that the government and the corporations become a replacement for the family, right? Uh, a child that has a solid economic plan where there was uh where there were plans made for that child financially from the time that they're born or maybe like uh we do our $5 a day plan any child whose parents stick to a $5 a day investment plan for them that child doesn't have to go to the corporation to get resources they can go to the family right they don't need to worry about getting welfare from the government because they can go to the family they don't need protection from other people because they're getting protection from the family so so ultimately i would encourage you to really sit down and understand how how powerful a family let me just say it like this i'm gonna just say it like this then i'm gonna be done with this particular topic my family makes me about half a million dollars a year at least every time if you go to drboysbooks.com and you order any of my books that book is being shipped to you by a member of my family my wife is a therapist that's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. I didn't just pick her because she was cute. I picked her because I wanted somebody who's going to be an asset in my life. She's real cute. That's a good bonus, but that's not, I'm not, no, mm, if she was, uh, you know, if she was kind of ratchet and, and, and sub mediocre, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you know, you know what I mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been interested in that. No, I, I said, you know, it would be nice to, to have somebody next to me who's smart, who is going to push me to do things that are going to be good for my life, like get up and go to the gym every morning at 5 a.m., who's also going to uh, raise, you know, raise health kids in a healthy way and then be a great business partner that I can make plans with. So my wife and I do business together. The children. So the children are integrated into the business. My wife and I do business together. When you have that kind of structure, you don't need we don't we don't care what the what's going on on the corporate plantation we're not we, we don't even talk about white folks we're not we don't even we don't, they're not even enough of our conversation for us to even get mad at them because they, they don't come up you know we we deal with each other we can literally sit there in this house and deal with only with each other and be perfectly fine right so this is the kind of ecosystem i think you you want to aim for and i really want you to consider that the family is your opportunity to do that. If you do it right, it could be a beautiful thing. But you have to have the right skill set and you got to have the right mindset. You have to have the right skill set and you have to have the right mindset. Too many of our people have a don't have the skill set to be economically independent because first thing they got you take thinking about when you start thinking about money is get a job, get a job, get a job, right? And then also a lot of us don't have the right mindset to the point where even when somebody introduces you to the skill set, you're so enamored with being around white people that you will abandon a great opportunity right there in your own family so you can go work for somebody else. That's what you, because that's how, because you need that boost of your self-esteem. You like that attention. You need, you need that to feel better about yourself, right? Who wrote the rule saying that every black child has to go work for a big white business in order for them to get experience. Who wrote the rule to say that your father or your mother is not enough for you, that somehow you got to go get a white daddy in order for you to feel whole or complete or like you've got your proper adequate training. I'm not, again, I, I sound radical when I say this, but it's true. You know, I'm a black man and I'm a smart black man. I'm not stupid. I'm educated. And I, and I, and so, so at the, at the end of the day, 
I think I'm enough. Like me and their mother are enough to educate our kids. We don't need your schools. We don't need your 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 organizations. All you're going to do is pimp them. All you're going to do is exploit them. We're going to love them. Now, if they're going to get pimped and exploited, it's going to be by us, damn it. <laughs> if they're going to get pimped, it'll be, they're going to be getting pimped for the family. They're not going to get pimped by people that hate their guts that are going to mistreat them. I'm, I'm joking. About that. We ain't trying to pimp our kids. But seriously, though, seriously, get the skill set. Get the mindset. If you get the skill set and the mindset, there is nothing you can do. In fact, you know they're talking about MBAs, BAs, and BSs, and MS. I think MS should stand for mindset, skill set. If you get the right mindset and the right skill set, you can do anything that those other people can do. But you must have the right mindset and you must have the right skill set. What does that look like? The right mindset is where you have enough consciousness to understand what's good for you and what's not good for you. You're not going to just go into unhealthy, toxic environments just because that's what everybody else is doing. Every other black person, so many black people, it's you know, generation after generation, ship our kids off to these spaces where they are so unhappy and so miserable and so stressed out. Like, we'd love to do that. Like, we'd love to say, okay, go to school, go to college, go to the... I'm not saying those places are always bad, but if they're bad, they're bad. Like, don't I, I don't I, I don't think I, I, I think we should question all of that. Right. If you want to know why we started doing the economic consciousness training, it's because I said we have to really sit and think about what we're doing. What are you doing and why are you doing things just because everybody else is doing it? Because you haven't become conscious of it. They're leaning on your subconscious mind to get you to fall into these habits that, you know, are very, very toxic. I had a friend in graduate school who got a divorce by the time she was like 26. She got married at 22, got divorced at 26. And I asked her, she was interesting. She was real smart, but her personality was real dry. She was like a computer science major. I said, I said, so after college, why did you get married? You know what she said? She said, I don't know. I just, cause that's what everybody, that's what you, I thought that's what you were supposed to do next. And I said, no, <laughs> like, like you should just don't do it. Cause you think that's the next thing in the sequence. Figure out what the sequence is supposed to look like. And if you don't know, if you can't, if you don't have the courage or the insight to do that yet, then just keep learning, keep learning the process. So you can make sure, just like, just like they say, uh, Warren Buffett always says, you should never invest in a business that you don't understand, right? Well, the biggest investments that you make in your life are going to have nothing to do with money, except you're investing something more important than money. You're investing your time, you're investing your energy, you're investing your love, you're investing your life. So before you invest your life in anything, before you invest in that relationship, before you invest in that job, before you invest in that next move, make sure you understand what you're getting into and that you've independently concluded that this move makes sense for you. Because if you just do stuff the way everybody tells you to do it, following the sequence and following the rules... I don't think you end up in a good place. I don't think America is designed for you to end up in a place where you're happy and comfortable. I think that misery is kind of the default state of mind for a lot of people. And uh, and I, I think you can break out of that, but it's going to require you to consciously reflect on everyone else's process so you can make sure that you can define your own. Okay. So that family is that family's powerful, man. If you if you use the family properly. That can be your key to unlocking all kinds of economic potential, as well as a lot of freedom and happiness, which is really the that's the real win. The money is not the real win. It's the freedom and happiness. Uh, what day will be we be meeting for the new class? Great question, Patty. Uh, we're going to start our next um, 
our part two of our financial consciousness training, we're going to cover my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power in Extreme Detail. Uh, and uh, you can join the live trainings uh, if you just get a copy of the study guide, which is the required reading. Uh, that will <clears throat> get you into the class. We will send you an invitation at that point, and I will put that in the chat. If you don't see it in the chat, uh, just text the word STOCK to 87948, and I'll send you guys the link again today to uh, let you all know uh, that we're going to start. We're going to start February 1st. Uh, we have one more day of the first uh, economic consciousness series that we did, and uh, and it was a test, and everyone loved it. So because everyone loved it, I want to do it again. And we're meeting every single morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. And uh, the reason we're doing daily is because I want you to get in the habit of thinking about your finances daily. I want you to think about your goals daily. I want you to think about your economics daily. And I want to be right there with you. Okay. All right. So let's um, move to the next uh, question here. Uh, let's see. Maurice says the B1 movie was not premiered last night, last time A, B, and C. Any update on when it'll be shown? Yeah, we you know what? We've been meaning to do a black movie night and show the movie. Uh, I didn't want to trend, I didn't want to uh disrupt Rick Mathis in his uh his tour. In, in case you don't know, the movie was a partnership with Rick Mathis, and it's a great movie. And uh and we were gonna do it at the A, B, and C. We chose not to, uh just for logistical reasons. And uh, and we and what we're gonna do is a black movie night, and basically uh, anybody in the black business school can get in for free. So that's that's the plan right now. So uh, if you um, if you want to be notified when we do the black movie night, I'm thinking we could probably do something in February. It's Black History Month. It's time for us to get off the to get off the pot and just start moving. So um, <clears throat> so make sure if you haven't text the word stock to eight seven nine four eight. Uh, do that, and that way you can be notified. Also, if you text the word stock to 87948, you'll get the $5 a day plan and a bunch of other stuff that we have for you in, in the Black Business School. Uh, Bay says, if someone has 5K to start investing in the stock market, would you recommend buying options to jumpstart your portfolio? Um, if you're talking about it as a long-term investment vehicle, I don't think the answer is yes. You could do some types of options, which might be like <clears throat> what they call the stock replication strategy, where you buy like maybe long-term in the money call options or something like that. Um, but for the most part, uh, I, I think that starting off with mutual funds is kind of a good standard way to go, a nice, safe way when you're talking about building up that long-term nest egg. Options are... Um, Typically something like think of it, I think of it like seasoning on food. You know, if you go sit down for a meal, you don't, you know, you want your meal to be maybe like some chicken and some uh, rice and, you know, and some green beans or something. Your meal, and, and then you might use salt or pepper to or ketchup or something to enhance the flavor of the meal, right? So the options are like the salt, pepper, and ketchup. And the uh, the stocks are kind of like the the green beans and the chicken and everything else. You wouldn't sit down and have a meal of just like ketchup and salt. That would be kind of weird, right? So a portfolio that just consists of options, in my view, is not a solid long-term asset building portfolio. And uh, although there are some exceptions, uh, uh, stockoptionsmasterclass.com, if you want to take a look at our stock options masterclass, it's really good. A lot of people like it. And uh, basically in stockoptionsmasterclass.com, I show you something called a stock replication strategy where you can use options to replicate stock ownership. So it's still not the same, but it's pretty close. It's kind of like comparing, uh, it's like if you're a long-term girlfriend, if you've been if you've been dating somebody for eight years, it's kind of like being a wife, but you're still not a wife yet, right? So or kind of like being a husband, but you're still not the husband. But you're kind of like the husband because you've been together eight years. That's kind of what a stock replication strategy does. And it's a lot cheaper than actually owning the stock. 
But again, it's not the same as owning the stock. Uh, what do I think about the movie, The Book of Clarence? I have not seen The Book of Clarence. I saw a good movie called um, American Fiction, which I highly recommend, uh, starring the greatest actor ever named Jeffrey Wright. Uh, and Jeffrey just killed it like I knew that he would. And I think I like Jeffrey Wright. I'm probably biased because I've been told that I kind of look like him a little bit. And uh, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult because we both have these big old heads. And uh, he plays a professor, and uh, and it's just and he's about my age, so it's kind of kind of cool. I, I like the guys being compared to Jeffrey Wright. I consider that to be a compliment. All right, so let's see. If no, would you would what would you do personally with five k? Yeah, I, I would go with mutual funds. Um, if you look at just like the five dollar a day plan, we would give you some stuff that we think you could do that with that would be easy to pursue. Uh, Philip says, uh, what is the correct ticker symbol for Bitcoin, BTC or BTM? Uh, BTC, BTC. Uh, King May, what do you think about Chase concerning crypto influencing going down 35%? How do you sell your stocks in Robinhood in the process? Uh, okay, so first thing, if you log in at the blackstockmarketprogram.com, which you should have access to uh, if you're inside the Zoom, the T-H-E, the blackstockmarketprogram.com, there's a whole breakdown of how to how to you know sign up and invest and all that. Um, and, uh, and there's recordings and so I did a lot of screen shares and everything, but then also in terms of JP Morgan and crypto or chasing crypto, sorry. Yeah. JP Morgan chase. Uh, I, I, there's been stories about JP Morgan deliberately manipulating the price of crypto so they can come in and buy it cheap. I don't think that's out of the question. They would do that, but I don't know if there's evidence they would do that. I know that when I've heard Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan chase talk about crypto, he does not say good things. He does not seem to feel that crypto is uh is a good investment he, he kind of makes jokes about it being crap and stupid and everything else i don't agree with him i think he's wrong but i don't believe you should put you know more than five percent of your portfolio in crypto but that's just my opinion uh what was the stock you mentioned um i'm sorry uh miss hitchcock i cannot remember um oh uranium was it the uranium thing ura uh uranium etf i think that might have been the one uh, earlier uh let's see here uh el hodge okay let's answer a couple more questions then i'm gonna go and take me a shower and i gotta take a nap because i think i'm getting a little bit tired i've been up uh since early this morning uh el hodge says uh would you use open lines of credit to start selling options knowing the interest rate is on the line of 10.75 percent if i knew what i was doing i would you know so make sure you know what you're doing make sure you understand the risks Remember, with investing, a lot of times it's not like a matter of of there being a yes or no question. It's really a matter of you knowing what you're getting into, knowing what what can go right and what can go wrong. If you know what you're getting into, then it's okay. If you don't know what you're getting into and you're not sure, then I would say don't do it because you don't want to be surprised that way. Uh, but I know people who do borrow money to sell stock options, and it does work. I've, I've done it. It's worked. It's But then sometimes you take a bath. Sometimes you lose money. Uh, and I need you to understand that. When you are an investor, just know that a lot of people look at investors and wealth builders and people that own property and real estate and all that. They think that you always have money, that things are always good. That is not true. Business owners, investors, they're not always swimming in cash. Sometimes they're taking a bath in their losses. Uh, what's happened, I think, with business owners and investors is that they are just pursuing a, a, a kind of economic route that's going to lead to um, a few more ups and downs, a little bit more volatility, but they want that that power and freedom that comes with having the chance to have some some sort of economic escape mechanism that helps them rise above what they had when they had a job, right? But so it's a different reality, but it's not always better. Sometimes being the boss is the worst position you can have in a company. Sometimes being the boss is horrible because you sometimes you have to be the hardest working person in the company 
and the least paid person, right? I don't know if any entrepreneurs are in the room, but uh, verify this. Sometimes you have to literally work your butt off just so you can pay other people. And nobody talks about that. Everybody thinks that if you're the boss, you're always just doing really well and you're always making a ton of money and all that. No, you, um, so, so it, it, if you have a bad month or a bad year, you got to eat that, right? But because you're willing to eat that and because you paid the cost to be the boss, well, that means that when the big money comes in, you get the big rewards. And people who don't know business don't understand that. They think that because you made X millions of dollars last year, that, that that's like getting a paycheck. You know, uh, when I had a conversation with Tyler Perry one time, and I, I don't, Y'all know me. I'm not a fan of all the putting on the dress stuff, but I respect him immensely for what he's built. I did a tour of his studio. He arranged for me to do a tour of his studio. With he, he, he had his second in command there. He spent two and a half hours taking me around the studio. I was so impressed. I have so much respect for what he's built as a business owner. But when I talked to him on the phone, uh, it, it was about 10 years ago, he, um, he was on the cover of a magazine the day before. We talked and on the magazine cover, he was on there because he was the highest paid person in Hollywood. Some of you may remember that. And I and and, and I didn't even know he was going to call me. I, I He just saw me somewhere and reached out. And my assistant's like Tyler Perry's on the phone. I was like, oh, OK, yeah, well, let's talk to him. And um, and I remember I said, how does that feel to be on the cover of a magazine as the high pay, highest paid person in Hollywood? He said, I hate it. And I said, why? He said, because everybody sees the top line and nobody understands how much money I have to spend just running the business. They don't know that I paid $2 million to Alan Payne. They don't know I had to pay millions of dollars to run the studio. They're looking at it like it's a paycheck. And I instantly got what he was saying. That's what people do. People who've never run a business, they see the money you make and they assume it's like a paycheck. No, it's not like a paycheck. Paycheck doesn't come with, it comes with your rent and bills and all that, but it does not come with the kinds of expenses that can come with running a business. So if you become an investor, this is investors beware. Just know if you become a wealth builder and investor, you're going to have to take more risks sometimes. You're going to have to work a lot harder sometimes. So you're going to have to deal with a lot more ups and downs. This is why literally financial therapy is should be a real thing for everybody. But it's especially true if you're trying to break off the corporate plantation or become a wealth builder, because one of the most important things you got to learn is how to keep your cool when everything seems to be falling to shit. Like if you can't do that, if you freak out and give up or walk away, like if you give up easy or if you scare easy, it's going to be hard for you uh, to, to survive that space. But that's where you can fill the void by learning persistence and also learning or getting a support group around you. Right. Like when I went to speak at TSP Live this week in Atlanta, it was a beautiful group because there are all these entrepreneurs who understand the ups and downs. And these are people that you can talk to that can carry you through it. So literally getting a therapist to really help you with these things or having a group of people that become your therapy is really important. So wherever your spiritual renewal comes from, you got to have that space. Right, because it ain't gonna always be pretty, and I want you. To, I want to make sure you know that we've never talked about that that particular thing, but I need you to make sure you understand that. All right, so let's keep going here. Uh, Carol, uh, okay, you asked about Book of Clarence. Uh, I have not seen it, but uh, you're the second person to ask me about it, so I guess that means I got to watch it now. Uh, let's see, there will be a good movie for Black History Month. I think it would be too, Carol. Um, I'm interested in Bitcoin, but heard it's a Ponzi scheme. Why do people feel that way? Because there are people who just don't believe in or understand digital currency. Um, they they just sort of write it off instantly. And, and I'm not saying that Bitcoin is going to be an automatic moneymaker. Most indicators, though, most 
indicators I've seen tell me, put it this way, if I looked into a uh, crystal ball and saw that five years from now, Bitcoin was going to be worth 400000 it wouldn't surprise me not one bit. Bitcoin has every bit of potential to just explode and become the best investment you ever made. It's already done that. It's already done that. It's already done that. I mean, it's a go back in time 10 years and ask anybody in the year 2014, do you think Bitcoin will ever be worth $43,000? Nobody's going to believe you. They're, they're going to say that there's no way. Bitcoin, What if you look back, I don't know what it was in 2014. I bet it was 100 bucks or something, maybe 200 or 300. I don't know. And what was crazy is that there was that one guy uh, that I saw and I was so impressed. And he had done a video in 2012 when Bitcoin was like a quarter and said, and he was begging people, specifically black people. He said, just buy you like a hundred dollars worth. You know, you're going to waste a hundred dollars anyway. Just buy you a hundred dollars worth. I promise you this is going to blow up. And I said, man, if somebody took that advice and, and bought Bitcoin, bought $100 worth of Bitcoin back when it was, let's say it was 50 cents or whatever, that would be 200 Bitcoins. 200 Bitcoins right now would be, uh, let me see, what would that be? <laughs> that would be like $9 million right now, $9 million. But instead, you took your $100 and you went to the movies and, and dinner and, you know, whatever. And because you went to Red Lobster and got the cheddar biscuits, you, you spent the whole hundred bucks. And instead, you know, you got $9 million in the bank. If that doesn't make you want to kick yourself, I don't know what does. So uh, I invest in Bitcoin, not because I know for sure that it's going to take off. I invest in Bitcoin because if it does take off, I don't want to miss it. I want to make sure I'm there. You understand? Because you can't you can't go back in time. You can't retroactively be there. You can't retroactively be in position before the, the big event happens, right? So remember, in, good investors are not reactive. They are proactive. And it's very, very important for you to think that way. Last question before we go. Are you still selling your book, 13 Side Hustles? Yes. If you go to drboycebooks.com and uh, just search for 13 Side Hustles, uh, you'll find a book, uh, an ebook uh, that we put together called 13 Side Hustles. You can start for under $100. And also, in fact, also if you text the word stock to 87948, I'll send you a link where you can go take a look at that as well if you want to. Uh, so text stock to 87948 if you have not done that yet. All right. So uh, have a good day, everybody. And uh, God bless you. And what's going on with FedEx stock? I don't know. Um, is it is it dipping? Is it going down? Is it having is it having a bad month or something? Uh, let me see here. Someone, someone mentioned FedEx stock. Let me see. I, I, let's we'll take a look at that before we go. FedEx stock. What is FedEx doing? Okay, it's down one point five percent. I wonder if they just had an earnings announcement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. FedEx is. It looks like FedEx just had an earnings announcement and they didn't meet their earnings expectations. And I'm looking at FedEx over the last year. It's gone up thirty two percent in the last year, thirty six percent in the last five years. So it's kind of an up and down sort of stock. Um, what I want to show you on the chart here is I want you to sort of keep things in perspective with FedEx. Uh, look at this here. Okay. So if I show you FedEx now, uh, it's down by one and a half percent today, right? If I go out six months, it's down by 10%. If I go out a year, it's up by 32%. So it's done very well <clears throat> over the past year. So it's been a good investment for the most part. But then if you look out five years, you'll see it's only up 36% for the last five years. So you see the stock just tends to operate within a certain range. Um, here it was super low. What was it here in at the end of 2020? I said 106. Okay, so you know it would have more than doubled uh, if you believed in the business. Now, one thing about this is stocks that operate like this, 
those tend to be decent stocks that you could sell options on, right? So a person who is say still selling call options um, or even put options on the stock this entire time as it's operated within this range would have been able to generate income even though the stock never actually rose past a certain point. So that's one of the benefits of looking at stock options on the sell side as a way to generate income if the market isn't moving the way you want it to. Um, AMC, you know what? I'll look into AMC next time, but um, I, I'm not a big fan of AMC. I don't think they have a great... I, I, I think that there's problems with their business model. I think they have too much debt. I think that's what's going to cause them to ever from ever becoming a viable company. All right. So if you want to dig into options on the buy side, uh, feel free to go to drboysprime.com. All the Prime members, I want you guys to know I'm going to send you guys a text. We're going to have class on Thursday. So uh, look out for that text. Uh, I'm going to send that to you later on today. And uh, those who want to join us um, and look into what I'm buying and selling and all that, uh, feel free to go to drboysprime.com. Okay. All right. Uh, Veronica, you're asking about uh, if your new book has been shipped. Uh, Amani can look into that for you. Uh, chances are, if you've already ordered it, uh, if you ordered it, let's say more than 48 hours ago, it's already been shipped. I don't know if, uh, Anna has shipped everything out. That's, that's where the orders have come that came in yesterday, but I'm going to double check. We're pushing them out as fast as we can. And if you don't get it on time, we'll give you a digital copy, uh, to hold you, hold you over until the physical copy arrives, but it, it should be arriving soon. So have a good day, everybody. God bless you. And we will see you soon. Take care now. Bye-bye.